<clears throat> Guys, I'm eating my second maple donut. Me too. I, I should have only had zero. I think I'm three up on these <laughs> chocos already, so. Jeez. Uh, they think of it as three down. Down yeah. the hatch. Well, I look at the box half full, so. <laughs> exactly half full now. Ugh, my stomach's a little overfull. <laughs> Acceptable podcast where every week we take the bookmobile to UPS, steal some books from a lady named Jana, and then we uh, bring the books back here to the upstairs of the comics place where we sort them. Yeah, we sort them. Then we look at them. We try to decide what we want to read about them, which ones we want to read, and we <laughs> read them. <laughs> and then we read about them. We read about them. We read about the comings and goings of our lives. We is that published somewhere? Yeah. Like sand through an hourglass. Oh, God. These are the comings and goings. Of our lives. <laughs> sure feels like we're in a real trashy little room since we were at Jay's Fireside. Trashy, um, cold little room, yeah. Last are you week. trashing yeah. on the Sanctum Sanctorum? <clears throat> I mean, it's nice, but... I didn't get to see Jay's nice Christmas oh, fireplace man. house. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, we take those books back to our uh, quiet places, our respective quiet places, our respected quiet places in some cases. And we read them. And then we come back here where we hang out with our our friends and our customers and each other all day on Wednesday. And then we come up here to our Sanctum Sanctorum, which does not have any <laughs> kind of sound effects don't going on. Don't you corner me into needing to go find electronic sound Well, now effects. you can't. I just said we don't have any. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where we talk about the books and our lives and our comings and our goings and our... Uh, movies and uh, something else. What are you making a movie? Our books in our shop. Oh, we sell books here. Yeah, and now we're going to talk about some books, but we're going to talk about them in depth with spurlers. What you guys don't know is that Django ate a bunch of mushrooms about forty. <laughs> and while yes, he is reciting this intro, he is also staring at his hand. <laughs> And he's moving it back and forth <laughs> about six inches. My hand's seen it before I am. <laughs> These hands. <laughs> These hands. These hands. <laughs> I should. I should. <laughs> so first we're going to talk about Phoenix Resurrection, number one. And I think probably we're going to also talk about Eugenic, number three of three. And Moon Knight number 190 of 276 or they something. They skipped some. And uh, Doomsday Clock number two. Hey, will you guys uh, what, talk about Thanus number 14? Thanus number 14. T. Hanus. T. Hanus. <laughs> I can't believe Jim, Jim Starlin just wanted to write a character that rhymed with anus. I can't believe that... Christmas was a couple days ago, you guys. How was your Christmas? Nice redirect, buddy. <laughs> I moved... All day long, so it was great. I got a lot of work done. It was my day off, so nice. I did a lot of moving. Roman? I I also moved. I moved my handful of various His pastries and, and Christmas goodies into my mouth. 
Mm-hmm. Nice. You kinda... also came over to my home. Oh, show. yeah. I went over and watched Christmas oh. Night Raw. I did I not go over I there. saw guys in big buff guys in horrible Christmas sweaters and Santa hats like throwing down at each other. Oh, yeah. gosh. It was cool. I had a dream um, earlier today or the night before that I, w- that I was watching Raw. Mm. And they were doing some buck wild stuff. Dude. Like more buck wild than they would do on the show, I think. Buck Wild, that's a... They Buck Wild it up on Raw. Okay, now is Buck Wild, was now the name of a wrestler or a porn star? Yeah, it was uh, wrestler turned porn star. Oh, there we and go. And then back to wrestler. Hulk Hogan? Wow. That's a good yeah. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. I'm Jeff, and oh. I am not on mushrooms. I don't need to look at my hand to know that at all. <laughs> I'm Django's hands. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm Roman. I'm I'm on Windex. Oh. <laughs> That'll get you killed. Yeah. <laughs> if you do it right, you turn your pee blue, boy. <laughs> oh, I'm Braden, and I have uh, I'm I'm just on chocolate donuts. <laughs> I'm gonna get down. you guys on my hands. <laughs> oh, That's all Somebody right. go get some of the tiny finger hands. Let's freak them out. <laughs> oh my oh, god. We're, we've been out of finger hands for ages now. We've only got the feet. Oh, yeah, we just got oh, the feet now. I'm slipping. Yeah. You are slipping. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, though. Uh, it, spoiler warning. Did we say it? Well, we, we did a spoiler there, warning. There's lots no, of spoiler warning. We got a, we got a <clears throat> Morgan Spurlock warning. We got <laughs> a warning about that. We've read comic the... books every day for the last month. Simon Spurrier? We're going to tell you how it handles. <laughs> 30 days of Marvel. <laughs> well, you guys never said what you did for Christmas. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, I hung out with the Rome Daddy, um, the Rome Bone. He came over to my house in the yeah. evening. Uh, I had a pretty good... We did, we did Jimmy Dean sausage sandwiches. Yeah, man, I made us... I baked us some frozen Jimmy Dean sausage sandwiches, but I put a bunch of sharp mm. cheddar on it and then mm. chopped up a bunch of raw garlic, like a mm. bunch of it. And if you bake them in the oven instead of microwaving mm. them, if you bake them for like 30 minutes, the garlic like mm. melts into the cheese. Delicious. It's so good. All of that. Excellent. I just edited in real time inside my brain and turned it into a chant. Um, <laughs> and I, I did. just slept late and and then uh, slipped late. I slipped late and then but I you turned slept all day, dude. I slipped. I slipped thirty. Uh, I slipped on my couch. I slipped in my bed. How many hours of work did you do? Uh, just about fifteen or twenty minutes. Okay. I posted the podcast and uh, I guess late in the day I. I entered some of my comics in my database, but That's I count that as uh, not work because it's fun for me. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Uh, I also, I'm notorious around the house for not turning the heat on very much. Who needs it? Did well, you turn the heat on? I turned the fucking heat on. All day? It was so warm and yeah. nice. Yeah. I felt like a goddamn adult with a real job. I did about 75 <laughs> minutes of work. I edited the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's, that's good. Yeah. It's I, good to work on Christmas. I thought about working. But I kept moving, so I was doing a different kind of work. Yeah. God, I didn't, I didn't even read a comic book on Christmas. Oh, I read so many comics on Christmas, dude. I read like nine comics before I even got out of bed. Oh, wow. you junk. I didn't open, till, I didn't open presents until like 145 or 2. You got presents? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, uh, from your... The socks were the only presents I got, actually, like, for a Christmas. Really? I mean, I got, my mom and my brother got stuff for each other, like, back in November when we met up, but... <clears throat> Man, I want to give Braden a hug and another Christmas present. No, my, my friends are coming back and they, they got me something. So. Oh, yeah. I got. <laughs> well, you know what, Braden? That's all right because Marvel got you a Christmas gift. Oh, in yeah. In the form of the return of Jean Grey. Oh, I thought you were going to say stamps. <laughs> they, they got you 50 
three Marvel stamps. Uh, like five or six more bonus ones if you get the uh, free stamp collector. If you get the free stamp collector. Man, I'm almost hesitant to head out of this radio gold into the comic dollars. <laughs> Um, let's, let's talk about Jean Grey. By Matthew Rosenberg and Laniel Francis Yu. Me? Django. No, no, you. Django. <laughs> I said I'd drive. Django. Um, what are, what are, what's everyone's relationship with Jean Grey here? I don't love her. I, I used to love her, and she was dead, and then she came back to, but not really, now she's back again because of, what, Chavant's Secret Wars? She's back... Pretty unrelated to that stuff, I think. Okay, she's just back. Yeah. The less, I mean, Phoenix was around in the Avengers versus X Men. That was like the last time we saw like Hope. I think even she might have shown up a little bit. I mean, you can't keep a good Phoenix dead. You can't keep a good Phoenix D. Um, no. Jean Grey died in, most recently in Grant Morrison's X Men run. At the yep. end of Jean Grey or Morrison's X Men run. This yeah. is like the second longest she's been dead. Ten years is a long time for a comic pers- book person to be dead. Mm-hmm. Especially one named Phoenix. Yeah, oh yeah. Pionix. Pionix. Um yeah, no. Uh you know, Wolverine was just dead for like three years or two years and that seemed like Gosh. longer than I was originally thought it was gonna happen. Yeah. He's had what, like three knockoffs running around? Yeah. Jean has like also she's got two she's got Rachel. Yeah. Summers and Hope, who I, I don't even know where Hope is right now. I don't, yeah, we've lost Hope. She came, <laughs> back, she came back for a while after Avengers vs. X-Men for something. Yeah, I really liked her, too. I don't really like Kieran Gillen's X-Men stuff that she was a big part of. But who knows where she's at now? Um, But yeah, no, Jean Grey was on the animated series in the 90s. So I've got that attachment, but like she was never my favorite character. No, on but she it. was just sort of like, kind of like mom character. Yeah, she, she was just kind of there. Like, yeah, and she like, was like a strong voice, but she, I don't know. She she didn't have a super strong personality. And she's always like, just been like this object of desire on a pedestal for like Wolverine and Cyclops, yeah. and like never really felt like her own character. Like she's either being sought after or she's being like manipulated by powerful forces or something. Yeah, and. And, and like, I identify with characters just on a strong level, so I've always, like, loved Wolverine more than Cyclops, so then I've <clears> liked Jean Grey because the guy that I like likes her mm-hmm. and wants to be with her, but then I also, she's kind of been with him, but never really been with him, but kind of let mm-hmm. him on. I did kind of like her in uh, X-Men 3 The Last Stand, which... I uh, have no problem admitting how horrible that movie was, but I kind of liked her, like putting Magneto on his ass and just kind of going all out. And I like I kind of like Dark Phoenix. I mean, but Jean Grey on her own has never been super compelling to me. Yeah. Dang. Did I see that Young Man Logan is in this? <clears throat> um, a young no, that's, Wolverine. There's old man shows Logan up at an, in the winter. Yeah, it's a it's like a, an hallucination. He also shows up in Iron Man this week too, and he turns out to not be real on that either. He's yeah. just floating around the Marvel universe right now after he drank he beer out of that beer truck. We don't really know if that's him there. 
Okay. Yeah, he, well, he, he disappears at some point. Yeah, wasn't that the ad in the back of some of these books that look for Wolverine in the post-credits Yeah, he's only sequence? going to be in the post-credits scene. So if you see him anywhere else, it's either a dream or hallucination oh. or something. All right. That's what I've learned from the two books he pops up in this week, I guess. Huh. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you guys say that about Phoenix because when I was first reading it, Chris Claremont was writing X-Men, and her and Cyclops were second only to me after Reed and Sue as, like, oh, the awesome superhero couples. And then she died the first time. So in this, we got, like, basically the whole X-Men crew splinters into three camps to go track down some, some Cerebro activity, mm-hmm. right? And some of them are in Antarctica. Um, that was the most interesting group to me, but I guess I just like those X-Force characters. But I, the thing <clears> at the end, I, I, I don't know, the... One of the three things just I couldn't really focus on. But, um, yeah, I guess the really interesting thing is at the end of this, um, we meet, like, Jean, who's working at a diner, and uh, she's at her house, and she's clearly not X-Men Jean, but then somebody rings on her doorbell, and Scott Summers there, and he's like, hello, sweetheart, miss me, question mark. And Scott Summers should also be dead. Right. Yeah. Wait, when did he die? Except for the teenage one. He died, oh gosh, there was that Inhumans vs. X-Men miniseries. He, he was alive for a while after he killed Chucky X. Yeah, in the Inhumans X-Men issue, they revealed that he had actually been dead for a while, and Emma Frost was, like, pretending to be him. Yeah. Um, and Jesus. I forget when it was that he'd actually, he had actually just sort of, like, died in a... Like the in the Terrigen Mist, it was it was a bummer. It was it was not well received. Scott, wow, he was killed like he was in X Men Three or Two. Or yeah, off yeah. camera. Yeah, just. <laughs> um, Roman, did you read this? I did not. Oh gosh, Brayden, is this just you and I? Just you too. Oh, oh, I thought Jenga read it too. I didn't read it. This is called the Butt Shot Round. Yeah, oh, this gosh. is the Butt Shot Round. <laughs> um, I guess I guess my takeaway from this is that I liked it more than I thought I was going to. I don't. I like some X-Men runs a lot, and I like the X-Men as a team from my childhood. Like, I loved that cartoon show, and they're sort of, like, one of the staples of what comic books are to me, but it's been a while since there was an X-Men book, like, run I really liked. I liked the Bendis run. Um, I liked the Morrison run. I think Remender's X-Force run is one of my just mm-hmm. favorite runs. Um, but, yeah, this, it, it's been a little while since there's been interesting stuff coming out for me, and this at least piqued my interest. I, I wanted to know what was going to happen. There's a cool little mystery there. Um... And the write-up at the end by Matthew Rosenberg at least seems good. like the guy really likes Jean Grey. Yeah, he seems genuine about this, which I like, because I think any anybody who's a fan of Jean Grey will enjoy this, um, which makes it maybe not so much for me, because it's just the character that dies and comes back over and over. Two times. Uh, a lot. <laughs> um what do you think of uh, Wolverine, or I mean, Old Man Logan, excuse me, calling this sheriff a moron? Um, that part really kind of bugged me, because, like, the sheriff was just doing his job and was being pretty nice about it, like, a lot nicer than other law enforcement has been to them when they... Well, Old Man Logan's from the, you know, the old apocalyptic <clears throat> From the old man future. He doesn't, like, he doesn't like authority figures. Yeah. Wolverine's a, a, gruff, a gruff boy. Yeah, I just... Yeah. Like I felt bad for the sheriff, and also I get that Sabretooth's a part of X Force right now, um, 
I still don't like seeing him. Yeah, I think that be with the rest of the X Men as like a legitimate like good guy, good bad guy since Axis, and yeah. I I don't like that change. No. I, don't, I didn't really like that whole Axis event. No. So. If they were taking a vote on how many people want Jubilee to stay a vampire, do you oh think? Oh my god, Braden would vote yes. Sure, I love it. Keep her a vampire, really? Why not? I don't know. I just don't <laughs> like it. I, yeah, I don't like it. I think it was kind of a weird, like move to try and make her more interesting but i don't know oh i thought she uh especially in uh kate let's patsy walker hellcat run mm-hmm. she did some really cool cute stuff with jubilee as a vampire All right. that was pretty great but it was just such a weird like in the middle of like victor gishler's x-men run and they're fighting dracula and yeah i remember when it happened it was super weird but, yeah and it's like jubilee's dark now and cool and it's like kinda all you gotta do is put a brown trench coat on her instead of that yellow thing, and she'd be dark. Oh gosh! Listen, seven seven point oh. Yeah. All right. Uh, Lanil Yu is our. I don't know. I think sometimes it can be. It ranges in its detail. You can tell when he spends a lot of time on his art, and this seems like medium amount of time. This it seems a little rushed compared to what he's able to do, like in his work with like Supreme with Mark Millar, like there's some really nice detailed stuff. But he's also really I think crapped out some art in the last couple of years. So I, I think this seems like a, a pretty good balance. It's not as detailed as some of his stuff. But I, I really like when he does his really detailed line. It's work. like Gary Frank light to me. Yeah, exactly. Um I think I'd give it a six. I do want to see more, but I wasn't super grabbed. A lot of the fight scenes just kind of felt like here's the fight scene and Here's what happens after that. It's like, it didn't, I don't know. I feel like a lot of superhero comics just kind of blur through fight scenes. This is like, yeah, I don't like here's the action scenes. part. And it's that like, was why right. I pretty much ignored that whole sequence. Like there's that, a, whole, that whole cruise adventure. There's a shot in here with, uh, I think it's Winter Soldier fighting uh, right before Domino puts. I think you mean Warpath. Is it Warpath? Winter Soldier? I don't know. <laughs> he, he, he's, got, he's got a real Bucky X-Men? look on him. Somebody in there looks. It just looks like a picture of. Uh, I think I know Nightwing this part. wrestling Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah, it just looks like Nightwing getting stabbed by Wolverine. It does look like Nightwing. And then in the next panel, Domino shoots Wolverine through the head, but her arm is on the other side of his head. Seems like a lot of things could go bad there. He's got adamantium. That yeah. bullet's not going to go through. She his was head. counting on the adamantium skull. I mean, and I guess he's not real. So, like, I, w- I was upset at first because I'm like, how? Like, Wolverine's good, but like, all these guys are real good too. Yeah. But whatever, he's not real. Nothing is real. So we okay, get to the... okay. But here's a moderately interesting thing. Tell me. Um, at the end here, we have like Scott showing up. Yep. And there's a picture of Gene and Scott. Yeah, they've been. So like, it's, 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 it seems to imply that they've been dating. Like, so who are these and where are these? And I guess that that's like the fact that they created a scenario for a mystery that is at least moderately interesting to me. That surprised me because mm-hmm. I felt like this was going to be a big sort of editorial shipping a thing out. And uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think Matt Rosenberg really does that yet. I don't think they've broken him to the point where he's just shitting out books. I mean, I think shit, they're working at it. Yeah, they're they're doing their best. He's but he's only like I don't think he's hit more than seven books in a week yet. So, so we'll see. You know. we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, next Phoenix resurrection. I think this is like bi-weekly, maybe weekly. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Eugenic. Yeah. Number three, by Eugenic. James Tinian IV. Jimmy T I V. And uh, Eric Donovan with D Kniff on uh, colors, I guess. 
Yeah, colors. Yeah, she's doing the colors. Yep. Uh, so this this finishes up the story of the story that started just three issues ago, and I think it finishes up his all of his apocalypse like three story arcs is that it, he's been doing. Is this part of mimetic and? I don't think co- it's like the co- same. Cogenic? Cognetic? I don't know if it's like the same world, but it's the same theme, and it's like I think this is the last chunk that he's doing in that vein. Okay. Okay. Um, so the first issue happened nowish, where this guy infected humanity with a thing that will make everybody ugly, right? Like sure. deformed to to person standards. Mm-hmm. And the second issue took place about 200 years after that. I mean, it made them more than just ugly. It made them like healthier, smarter, faster, all that, all that stuff. Kind of, but they, but they also died. Like they lived to be 30. By the time did they? Yeah, the second issue, second or third issue, says that uh, they, they die when they're 30ish. Hmm. Um, so he did it to solve all these social problems by kind of equalizing everything. Yeah. It's um, that- and the second issue took place a couple hundred years after, and the third issue took place a couple hundred years after that. Uh, Brayden, you, you're—I know you're current on this. Mm-hmm. Did, did you read the whole thing, Roman? Yeah, I read it. What did you guys think of the like the third issue's timeline? I had a little problem with it, but the timeline. I so far ahead. Yeah, I was hoping the third issue would take place after what happens in the second one like i was hoping there'd be more of a i thought the human uprising would have been a little more successful and yeah. like we were going to get into some like real post-apocalypse like type stuff but apparently they just lost yeah like hard yeah and then the third issue picks up where this uh guy this this uh this newman is what they call them mm-hmm. uh is obsessed with human culture He's listening to uh, Queen and uh, like just kind of wearing a New York Yankees hat. Yeah. He runs a museum that like preserves human history and culture. And yeah, and so like half the issue is just a history lesson from a hologram. Mm-hmm. And I thought, why would you jump two hundred years ahead to do that? Yeah, it's kind of I don't know. I I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get three distinct stories following this disease. Yeah, this one felt less like a story. I mean, it, it, it centered around this this guy, which I liked, and I was interested in hearing about him and how he's like this kind of last vestige of humanity. Yeah. And like he's trying to preserve that, and it's kind of bum. Like, and it kind of made me like hopeful for that. Like, oh, maybe like you know, not all the Newmans are totally like oblivious to what's gone on, but. It was a lot of history. I liked the history that we got from uh, the main scientist in the first issue. His uh, his Cyrus's husband, boyfriend, or yeah. husband. Yeah, I liked because after that first issue, I'm like, I wonder what happened with him. Like, and I thought this was a good way to like kind of summarize <clears throat> like how his struggle went after that and how yeah, he kind of calls Cyrus on some of his bullshit. But you could almost just read this third issue and get a good chunk of the meat of this story. Mm-hmm. Like this could have been the third issue and then maybe another 10 pages and you could have had a one issue story. Yeah. No, I thought it was good. I thought the whole series was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought that the third issue was this one. Either yeah. only like the only thing that was necessary or not necessary at all. Yeah. I like 
I liked it. I liked like the double page spreads and the arts, and I liked this Newman guy who was like weeping over all this lost stuff, but like there wasn't any like big action scenes. There was nothing like uh, like no gore or anything like the first two had. Yeah. But like it kind of makes sense because you know we've gotten to a point in their society where it's like no more problems. Like we're all right. good. Like the only problem is like. The emotional problems that this guy has because how fucked up their society is yeah. without everyone ever realizing it. And they made the mistake of leaving him in a room with the poison to yeah. kill their entire race. Well, they made the mistake of not paying the guards anymore to <laughs> keep an eye on it, I guess. Or just fucking get rid of it, dude. Yeah, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Roman? Yeah, yeah, it was strange that they <clears throat> cut funding to, his, to the museum and so he had to cut staff and everything, but they still left this deadly plague. Yeah. With just in his care, with no guards. I'm assuming it was just an oversight, I guess, but... Yeah. Well, he was just saying that nobody cares, like... Yeah, like, they, he, they don't think it matters. They probably just asked him to destroy it, and he was like, sure, I'll destroy it. Just yeah. left it. Yeah, and they never checked back. I did like... I mean, you're right, it's... This could have been a, a slightly larger one-shot, kind of just showing you the world of eugenic, and... Because it didn't really seem to follow the other two, but I like the overall point of this issue the social commentary about mm-hmm. okay these perfect new men and they still have the same problems as we do now and people before us did that you know they just don't want to pay attention to the the bad things and the negative things and just go along with like this little girl i think well little boy girl whatever um just doesn't care about everything he's trying to teach her yeah he's, he's showing her all this history and like what they did the humans, and she's like, "I don't want to know that. That sounds bad." Yeah, yeah. This, like, is, this is this is this isn't fun. <laughs> but yeah, I I was impressed with how much expression he got out of these guys who have like right? mouths on top of their heads and eyes on the sides of their faces and stuff. Yeah, and got him to like drink out of his mouth that's on his forehead and like <laughs> yeah. he's the bottle. It was like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, though I was kind of wondering, <clears throat> like, what if you dribble some like and it gets in your eye, like. You just get real good at drinking out of your forehead mouth. I guess so. Yeah, I was wondering too when he woke up in the beginning of the issue. I was automatically. I didn't think this in the other two issues, but in this one, I started wondering. Well, how does this work by law? I mean, if your mouth's up there, that means your larynx and your throat is going down where your cerebellum should be. How does this all work? Because their heads aren't bigger. They're perfectly bigger. Beings, Roman. <laughs> They've they got it all. I want to know out. the biology. Um, I give it a seven out of ten. I think I give the series like an eight, eight and a half. Yeah, I, that's pretty much both numbers I would go with. I'm going to go with a seven on the issue and an eight on the book, uh, on, on the on the series. Um, I do want to point out something cool in number two because I read them both last night. Um, it took me half the issue to realize it, but a lot of the humans have themselves painted up or maybe even tattooed. Oh yeah. So that they've got mouths and wonky eyes like the Newmans do. Uh, and it's just like anytime you see a shot of people in public, they've got various tattoos or, or face paint to look mm-hmm. like that. I thought that that was the most interesting issue to me, I think, was number two where we got to see. Yeah, two is really good. I think yeah. one was a great setup and two was a great kind of peak. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, gosh, guys. Anybody read Moon Knight? Oh, gosh, Django. I read Moon Knight. Moon Knight. <laughs> I read Moon Knight. Moon Knight. It's it's 
Moon Knight. There's an H and an apostrophe. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Um, What's old Moon Man up to? Well, well he's being written by Max Bemis. Yeah. And illustrated by Jason Burroughs. This one, the entire issue was illu- or inked by somebody else. Guillermo Ortego. So it didn't have that issue with the previous issue had of switching inkers halfway through. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like when the creative team stays the same throughout an entire issue. And this had Matt Lopez coloring it. Did he did he color the other issues? Do you I remember? Don't remember? All right. This like when this one went like off the Moon Knight rails, which is pretty off the rails for rails for you know for ground cart transportation. Hard odd. <laughs> Hard odd. Um, we've been gosh. At the end of the second issue, we had Bushman was. Approached by Raw um, to team up against the old Moon Knight, and and it turns out their plan is to take from him what is the most important. So what we find out is that's a previous love of his, and hmm. we get a little bit of seeding in there of like, hey, Jake Longley, what have you been up to? Like, what are you, what are you, bad boy doing? I think while you're I'm a sleeping? dick. I think that you're <laughs> yeah. a dick. And uh, there's. Uh, Ultimately, what we find out is that um, the Bushman and Ra cause Mark to go to his girlfriend's house, and what it turns out is that Jake Lockley had an affair with her after he had been dumped by her, because she was still in love with him, and he's still desperately in love with her, but his multiple personality was having a secret affair with her after the relationship was over, and he made sure that they didn't like he, Mark Spector didn't know. So basically he Tyler Durdened her Marla. He Tyler Durdened <laughs> he Tyler Durdened him. Gave him the old Tyler Durding. And uh it <clears throat> I, well there and there's also this one panel which is just, just a straight up Titanic reference of them boning in the car with the hand up streaking the condensation off the window. Oh I remember nice. that scene as an eight year old. That was oh, that was an important scene for Do you me. think that that's do you think that's gonna turn out to be in his mind? Because of that, like, because did you he saw Titanic. did you see Vanilla Sky? No, it's a well. There, there, I think there was a Spanish version and then a, an American version. But it's I can't remember exactly why. But it turns out that this movie that you've been watching that has all of these visual references to old media, like the Bob Dylan album cover of him walking arm in arm down the street with the girl, and that's the Beatles. But yeah, <laughs> no, that's <laughs> them crossing the street. This is this is Bob Dylan. Uh, no. Mm, bringing no, no, it all back home. Listen, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it turns out that his subconscious was recreating these these scenes with him in the lead um, as he died or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's like a car crash or something. Yeah, I've heard some, uh, yeah. enough about it, but yeah. I do want to see it. Um, but I wonder if I wonder if we're going to find out that that is actually a reference to Titanic because it's part of Mark Spector's yeah. film career or something like that. What do you oh. think? Like this, the the first two issues of the series were very direction ambiguous to me, and like mm-hmm. this felt like it took a step in a direction. And I guess like, what did you think about it? I think it, I think it's fucked. Whoa. It is. It is kind of fucked. It's. Uh, and and I'm like, oh, Jason Burroughs is on this book. Like it was the first time that like, oh, good thing we have a, a reference to Crossed in this book somewhere because it seemed like suddenly it was going to go that direction. Yeah, like using your. <sighs> she's not even his illegitimate child. She's just. Oh yeah, now now she's pregnant. Yeah. With Jake Lockley's child. No, she ha- the ba- the kid <laughs> oh, is right, right. there it's at the pre- end. Yeah. And so it's she- like. It's like deep cross soap opera stuff. Like, whoa, this is the direction of cro- or of Moon Knight now. Yeah, and and it's, 
I don't know. I there's the picture of the three of them together. With it's Jake, yeah. and the mom and the daughter. I like it. I, I think too. It's a it's a crazy departure from what Jeff Lemire was doing, which wasn't really subtle, but it was. It was all kind of brain stuff. It was and, a different. It was a whole different thing. It was like yeah. a very like comprehensive and I think thoughtful look on like what is the psyche of Moonlight like yeah. I think everybody kind of has a different view of what Moon Knight is and they've never it, the stories have always kind of mixed around with like what his power is or what his mental illness is and this is more was, like fuck it we're gonna fight in your brain fuck it Lemire <laughs> just did that th- and like there's this whole scene where he's meditating in the woods ouch <laughs> <laughs> he's meditating in, in a park and he's like yelling at himself because like all four of his psyches in his head are like having a conversation and mark specter is beating up jake lockley and it's it's so weird i i do like how different it is i do think that it's kind of a shame that it follows that lemire run so closely because i think that lemire run was a very respectful uh, intelligent conversation about mental illness mm-hmm. and did such a good job of like you know and amb- like creating an ambiguous like where is the narrative coming from which i think created a great parallel with like how a person identifies with that disorder and and this is is much more rudimentary but yeah it scratches a chuck Palahniuk like you know like lurid tr- yeah lurid mm. like base tr- like trash appeal you know like and i mean you know what I'm going to say? I relate to this as a comic a lot better. I think the oh, other yeah. one was really, really well done. I think it's like Jeff Lemire's run was more of a piece of art, and this is more of a just a fucking comic yeah. book. I, yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. It's just it's interesting. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have a customer who talks about their plurality and how they have more than one distinct personality inside their head mm-hmm. and how they learned to get along with each other. And I'd be interested to talk to them and find out, like, is this, is, is this or is Jeff Lemire's thing, like, do either of them even come close to your experiences in this? Well, yeah. Because this one, this doesn't seem very uh, nice about whatever Moon Knight's disorder is, but... It seemed a little bit, like, base... Like, basic. Yeah. It seems a little basic. But I would also say that I think everyone... I would say most people in that situation have a really different relationship with it. So maybe this is legit for someone else. Yeah, exactly. Like, But, uh, yeah, this is... Yeah, almost like trashy TV drama version of it. And, okay, uh, this is this is how you know it's it's trashy TV drama version. The the army that Bushman has formed, Bushman who just doesn't like fighting Moon Knight because he's a scary guy. Yeah, that was a weird right. Like Bushman who's a little bit fatter and doesn't doesn't want anything to do with this fight has assembled an army of people that have fought Moon Knight, and uh, when. When Moon Knight finally gets the call to go help uh, Marlene. Marlene. That's really close to Marla. That's very close. In fact, as you said it, I was like, wow, they use the same character's name. And it's... He's, uh, let's see. He's, Moon Knight's in in this battle with a bunch of dudes. And uh, the Khonshu is saying, Mark is busy trying to figure out why he's on the receiving end of what seems to be like a random attack by disabled gentlemen. And it, turns out that everybody in Bushman's army is missing a limb. 
<laughs> and they all have like that. they all have knives strapped to their arms and like they've all been modified, but they're all missing something. Eyes, legs, arms, hands. Um and that was that was when I thought this is this is a little bit weird. Also, his phone rings and it's Marlene calling and the name he has on there is Do Not Pick Up Psychopath Let It Go, which obviously Jake Lockley put in his phone. Right? Oh, and I feel it. like there was a conversation like that in Fight Club. Where Yeah, yeah, like where mm-hmm. maybe Tyler is saying to Guy, like, oh, she's crazy about Yeah, she's guy. crazy, don't talk to her, yeah, don't yeah. yeah. Wow. Um that's that's all interesting. I got more out of this having now had a conversation about it, but um, I like that it took steps in a direction because the first issue was a really cool setup. The second one then was just this weird point of like, all right, what is going on here? And now I feel like I get where this story is headed, and it's fucking buck wild, but I'm going to give it uh, a 7.5. I'm going to also give it a 7.5. I would give it an 8.5 if Marvel would let them use the fuck word in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if this was an Avatar book, well, I don't know if it would be readable if it was an Avatar book. Yeah. But I'd like I'd like this to be a Max, part of the Max line. Max Legacy. Who's Marla? Huh? Marla. It's the a girl from Fight Club. Fight Club. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember her name. Okay. Yeah, I thought you were um, thinking of Margo. Speaking Margo. of uh, Shadow. <laughs> speaking of Buck Wild, <laughs> Buck shot. Buck Wild shot. Jogging in place, ready what? to get this party started. I'm a not, little I'm not ready to get the party started. Energy over <laughs> here. Are you ready to start? Are you oh, ready God to damn. start? Okay, maybe the, um, kick this thing. Sure, what the hell? Off, you get a whole minute and a half to yourself. A minute and a half. Loaded up with salt. Are you Roman? Are you ready? Salt for this? from the planet Crate. <laughs> I'm. I'm never ready for this. But what All the right, hell? All right, you're about to get Crate sure. blasted. Roman crate and blasted. Stadler on the clock. One thirty. One thirty. Demon Hell's Earth number two. I like this one more than the first one. Starts off. There's this nuclear containment thing. Whatever. The demon and Jason Blood are both existing at the same time, but they can't hurt each other. They can't touch touch each other. So uh, Jason Blood is taunting the demon and torturing him by making him. He's basically telling the demon, "Look." Cooperate with me, or I'm going to start telling you about how wonderful kittens are and butterflies. There's a thing he starts to talk about butterflies, and Demon's like, oh, well played. I hate butterflies. The art's really cool. He, he does the Jack Kirby thing with the Demon's big, long, stubby fingers with these horrible, long fingernails. Uh, this brings back Madame Xanadu. It's one of my cool characters from the Camelot age. They fight a bunch of demons and horrible things. Bad stuff happens. They get to the end, and and and, and apparently the demon incinerates Madame Xanadu in a really horrible, gruesome scene to be continued. Xanadu don't. Xanadu don't. Commandy Challenge number 12, which is the last issue. This is awesome. Gail Simone wrote it. Um, Frank Miller did the cover. Ryan Sook. Uh, oh, jeez. Garcia Lopez, a great artist from the 70s, is back doing comics. This was a great uh, tribute to Kirby. And it, it kind of retells the actual origin origins of Kamandi, and it's beautiful. The end, even if you haven't read the previous 11 issues, this issue is worth reading just for the Jack, Jack Kirby's a character in it. And he talks to Kamandi and talks about the magic of comics, Sold. magic of Kirby. So, is Give me that, the demon a bad guy? He's, he's a or a good guy or an been, anti-hero? He, all three. 
okay. at different times. Does the demon <laughs> chant, and does he do it in rhyme? He he doesn't he doesn't chant in this series. He rhymes sometimes, which at first I didn't like, but in this issue he kind of mentions as an aside that apparently he rhymes when he's feeling happy and joyous, which is when he's wreaking havoc. Hmm. When he's not hmm. doing anything, he doesn't rhyme because he's just kind of bummed. Weird. <laughs> I didn't read it, but I will say this final page is quite great. Yeah, the art is beautiful. I would give this demon issue, I don't know, I'd give it a six and a half, seven. <clears throat> The Commandy, I would give a, oh, man. I'll give that a 9.5. I've, I've been really curious yeah. about that whole series. I'm I want to read, sure. read the trip. Some of the issues have been great. Some of them have been just okay. Because, you know, every issue, it's a different creative team. And they end it on a cliffhanger, and the next creative team has to get Commandy out of it and leave their own cliffhanger for the next team. Mm-hmm. And some issues, the Kevin Eastman issue, that, that one and this final issue are the best of the series. This is the end? Yeah. Hmm. It was only 12 issues. One only? year. Yeah. That's a lot only. of issues. Yeah. Well, it's a year's worth, yeah. But yeah, the Kevin Eastman one, that's the one I told you about yeah, where they're I, in the cave, the whole issue. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Brayden Smith. What? Walking around with that big old gun, trying to start a duel in the streets. <laughs> well, you know. Got all those comic book bullets. Somebody always wants to step to you. That's true, especially <laughs> to Brayden. Brayden Smith, 130 on the clock. <laughs> Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Jedi of the Republic, Mace Windu. It's got a silly name. It's Mace Windu number five. Um, <laughs> this series has been... It started off pretty cool. It got kind of slow with issues two and three, but I think it really pulled it back with uh, issues four and five. If it, mm. if you bounced off it earlier on, I definitely recommend checking out how it finishes. It's got some cool action, a lot of cool lightsabers, and a lot of cool... Um, moral, ethical questions of the Jedi's role in the universe during the prequels, which I like it when that, uh, when they're like hypocrisy is brought up and like their role in war is brought into question. And one of the Jedi's does that in this issue. And I think it gives, uh, gives him a good voice and does interesting things with them. Um, I give this issue an eight, uh, probably a seven for the series because it kind of, kind of stalls for a little bit, but it was cool. And, God damn, Mace Windu has a purple lightsaber and he's the best. <laughs> um, I also read Steven Universe number 11. This book's been kind of up and down for me because it's kind of switched creative teams at certain points without making that clear and stuff, so I was kind of bummed, but it's I'm, I'm, I'm back on board. I'm I'm liking it. It's it's always been good, and it's that first series was kind of weird and had some goofy art, and this one's been a little more consistent with the show. And every issue so far of this new volume has pretty much felt like an episode of the show. I like how when the alarm goes off, we all just kind of give each other a dirty look. <laughs> Everybody stops talking. <laughs> Eventually, if it goes on long enough, Brayden, all heads um, turn to Jeff. Turn it off. <laughs> I want to know about Mace Windu. You don't want to know about Steven Universe? I know Because I didn't, finish, I, I, I didn't mean, finish talking about Steven. Well, give me a rating for sure. Uh, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten? Mace Windu. The five-issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. It was good? It was good. It... Yeah, it was a it was a little bumpy there for a moment, but did you get? I wish there was some more Mace Windu in the movies, or like we had gotten some story mm-hmm. about him. Does this fill out his background in any way? Well, it can't no. be a sequel to him, really. Not much of a background, but it it fills out his character a little more, and his kind of he's like 
the the combat master and like it's especially this last issue kind of brings up like you do you just like like fighting it's like are you like do you like kind of giving into your anger and just like kind of going all out on guys or is it are you it's, it brings that into question, and he he answers it pretty well. There's too many motherfucking Sith on this motherfucking planet. <laughs> I mean, yeah, even even two is too many, so. Yeah, that's true, absolutely. <laughs> uh, is it cool with everybody if I use my minute and a half for the Buckshot to talk about Ken Burns' Vietnam documentary? Sure. Cool. It's yeah, Buckshot, and we get Buckwell on the Buckshot <laughs> round. I, I, I would have talked about Dragon Ball Super if I'd known that was... Uh, <laughs> if we were allowed to do that bullshit. I'm not actually going to do that. Well, you got a minute 30. You can talk about... Uh, Teen Titans number 15, part 3 of the Super Sons of Tomorrow. This, I like more than I think I should. Um, it's it's just kind of dumb, but um, Tim Drake from the future bad boy Tim Drake gets a new costume, and it's it's pretty laughably bad, while at the same time being kind of cool. So, that. <laughs> Spider-Man 2, number 5. Um, I can see not thinking this was very good, but... Uh, Ultimately, some really cool stuff happens at the end of this that I think serves as an interesting conversation that Bendis is having with the writer about switching to DC. Uh, lines about being up all night, not being able to sleep because you're taking the safe road. And and, and it's clearly just, I, I feel like him having a conversation about trying to take a big leap. And I think that we're going to get little glimpses about his relationship with this huge life change. Because he's kind of on top of the world as far as a comic creator can be right now. So that's really interesting. Uh, I really like that. Punisher Platoon number four. This was my favorite issue of the series so far. I think we got more characterization from um, the Vietnamese in this one than any of the other so so far, and some really cool like little politics stuff. A great Frank scenes, some good blue eyes. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, I I like it. it. Ended really abruptly, but I don't know. That series is better than it should be. Invincible Iron Man five ninety five also by Bendis. There was little pepperings of I feel like him talking about going to DC in this as well. Um, we're getting a lot of like heavy handed conversation about a guy who's worked at Marvel for over ten years and has really had a hand in changing the future of the company. Him leaving is a big deal, so I like that his work is carrying threads about how he's feeling about that, and I, I want to follow that through to him leaving. I'm more interested in that than actually the books themselves, because it's kind of a big deal. That was okay. Holy <laughs> shit, Jeff. Wow, four yeah. books. Four Damn. books and a buck. I was about to go into <laughs> Vietnam, so... Um, Teen Titans is six. Spider-Man in... A 7.5 in the miniseries, an 8. Punish Platoon, I give that one uh, an 8.5. And Invincible Iron Man, I will give a 7. I don't think it was super good, but I did like, I really like the Maleev Doom stuff. If you've bounced off the Iron Man before this issue, which I thought was a little slow, didn't go anywhere, definitely pick this one up. I think it picks up yeah, I, pretty I good. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this was the strongest of the three um, in this final arc. So. Haven't we pretty much every time one of the Punisher Platoon books come out said, oh, this is the best one so far? Um, Hasn't I didn't it just been finished number three by the time we talked about it on the podcast? Oh yeah, uh, I think maybe Braden and I thought it was our favorite. I think I disliked one of them. Yeah, I don't think you loved two. Two very much. maybe. Yeah. Never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking it's, out of my ass. I usually, I usually judge by the amount of uh, Frank Blue Eyes Castle this has, close-ups I think we the get, most and this has the most, and it's yeah. on the cover. Like really, it, they went all out. I, um, I would, I would like to give a nine to your. Your ultimate's joke when you're talking about Spider-Man Two because you you started out saying ultimately, which yeah, that, that I, was a pun, right? Right? Because he used to be ultimate Spider-Man. No, the pun was not intended. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll still get pun a nine. Sorry, Robin. You still get a nine. Sorry, joke didn't happen. Can't read it. <laughs> it happened in my head. Um, Jigogo Bobo, you huh? have got. Who's one... going to do my sound effect? Somebody give me a buckshot right, to start me off. Blammo! Woo! All right, so Star Wars, The Storms of Crate, 
Uh, first of all, crate is not spelled the way I spelled it in my head brain when I was watching the movie. Um, so this this is like the secret origin of the base from the Last Jedi. Uh, I really like a lot of the ideas in here. I didn't love the characterization of Luke's buddy, uh, Wedge Antilles. I did uh, like the art in it, by and large. I know that's kind of controversial to say because uh, it's so photo referencey, but I just like looking at young Han Solo. I don't care if it's a photocopy. Uh, Hawkman found number one. Uh, didn't love this. It's by my guy Jeff Lemire. Unfortunately, it's got art by Brian Hitch, and it all seems to maybe be in a dream, and it ends really weirdly abruptly with a uh, callback to Metal Number 4, part of that book I didn't love. And also, uh, there was a really distracting Hawkman who looked like he was wearing a Judge Dredd helmet, and after all the shit that Metal is getting for having a character that looks like a Judge Dredd character, that's a strange idea to me. Uh, Batman Creature of the Night Book 2 was pretty awesome. Pretty long, uh, but it also gives us like some really interesting questions and some really unsettling answers to some of the stuff that's going on in this mysterious world. Uh, the art, I think, it was uh, better than last time. Um, I'm really glad that. I'm selfishly, I'm kind of glad that you got cut off during Creature of the Night because I haven't read it yet. Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about it. Um, how did you uh, spell crate in your head? C-R-A-T-E. Okay, that's how you spell a normal crate. This planet is spelled C-R-A-I-T. There's also, in Star Wars, crate dragons on Tatooine, and that's spelled K-R-A-A-Y-T. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, So we're going, there's a lot of crates in Star Wars. There was a part in here that I thought, speaking of spelling and words in Star Wars, uh, Leia says, we're running out of time, Mon Mothma. And Mon Mothma says, rendezvous point C. And Leia says, Baran Fa? It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, that's not, a, that's not even a space word. <laughs> that was a belch. And Mon Mothma's like, what? And I said, rendezvous C. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember doing that thing. Is Mon Mothma, is that her name or her title? Or both? Uh, Mon might be a title. I don't know. Moth's a title. Yeah. yeah. I think her name's just Mon Mothma. I thought this one landed it. it it's got Scar, Scar Squadron, Stormtroopers, which are really cool. It's got... Yeah, a, that's where like, Aaron's run, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's got a really cool concept of these salt storms uh, dehydrating and killing people. Like, they find a bunch of people cool, out in the yeah. storm or out, out in the middle of nowhere and looks that's like, cool oh, idea. shit, this planet is bad. We got to go. And there was a really nice scene where Leia's negotiating with this shithead that sells them out but in the scene that she's negotiating the sun is still up and then luke shows up a few minutes later and the art just gets it doesn't get desaturated the light just changes and that was i thought a really skillful use of the colors Mm -hmm. uh even though this is it's all all these star wars books with this photo reference art are kind of like ham-fisted um drawings of people's faces yeah in in a very realistic way but not a not a super pleasing way. So I yeah. got two things. First, I really like that they incorporated these in, these episode one oh, yeah. looking tanks. Yeah, that's cool because I like when they can effectively the, blend the technology from I the prequels. Th- I think with they're the, AAATs. Okay. Gosh, I played it so many Star Wars video games. All all terrain, all terrains. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give that Star Wars a seven. I'm gonna give this Hawkman a six. I'm gonna give this uh, Batman Creature of the Night an eight. 
Doomsday Clock. Sure. Number two. <laughs> all right, all right. What everybody think? I liked it. You liked it, yep. Roman? Britain? Yep. I dug it. It was good. More or less than the first issue? Uh, uh, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I still feel weird about it, and I don't. I think. I think. I guess more than the first issue, but you I didn't really the like the, the first one that oh, I much. Remember. Yeah. I, I haven't decided. I, I, yeah, I don't uh, yeah, know if I've decided. I've, I mean, I'm, having, I'm really conflicted on. <clears throat> yeah, it's hard to. I don't know if I can really say. I mean, I, I liked like, it a lot. There was thing, you know, it builds so beautifully on the first issue, and you get some more of our favorites showing up. I felt like there was less meat, but more, but less exposition. I don't know. I, I guess that makes sense. But like, there was less meat, but there was a little bit more like forward movement. Yeah, hmm. definitely. And yeah. I like that combination. I thought we were going to drag on a lot more before we jump straight to the DC universe. Yeah, this was like, oh, yeah, you remember that last issue when we were taking our time? Now we're in DCU. Fuck you. Uh, we got a tacky on ship converter, my butt, or whatever. <laughs> we're going to punch a quantum tunnel through space. Okay. Yeah. All right, Ozymandias, is... like, it took you centuries, like, Ten years at least, like make this monster thing, and then you're just gonna punch a hole through time. Like maybe you well, should have made a quantum monster. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> well, leave. he did say it took a while, sure. not specified while, to modify the owl ship into a quantum tunneler. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in Aussie. this issue, uh, those two that they broke out of prison get their costumes. They get a little bit of an origin as it relates to Doctor Manhattan, and then all of a sudden we've got. Uh, we get the Watchmen characters flying the owl ship through the bat signal, mm-hmm. giving the bat signal eyes mm-hmm. uh, into presumably our rebirthed Gotham. Presumably into the the carnival from Killing Joke. Yeah, I think that was the carnival. Wasn't was it? it the carnival from Killing Joke? Oh, I'm pretty sure that's it was. What I was. That's what I was thinking. Come on, I you mean, ever read the Killing Joke? You ever read that? I, I felt like... Uh, I, I didn't get it, but someone else of, pointed it out to me. The house of, but this this other thing isn't in there, and I don't think that this Ferris not? wheel is in the There's Killing Joke. There's a Ferris joke. wheel in Killing Joke, isn't there? Well, maybe, it's, maybe it is. I, I thought of that, but it, it didn't... Oh, you thought about that? It didn't quite click for me, <laughs> because House of was the only thing that, that matched. Jenga, this paper stock rules. I like this paper stock. It's good paper stock. I, when I was reading it last night, I was like, whoa, is this? I mean, it's was nice. it like this in the first one? Mm, is it smoking? So. It's I nicer than it, DC's two ninety nine book paper yeah. stock. Uh, I liked how the Rorschach test that Bruce Wayne was given, uh, all of those kind of come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some things that I, I haven't gotten as much out of it as I want to yet. But the reason that I have... The reason... So I guess what I mean to say is... I read this issue and, like, the last issue, and I will read the next issue so excited to find out what's happening that, like, I can't – I don't expect to pick up everything because this is a story that, like, I'm so eager to get to the end to and know what's going on that I have to read it twice. Like, I read it. What are you showing him? Yeah. There were a couple things that I noticed in this issue um, and haven't had time to go back and, and re-study but uh, there is, just like in that multiversity issue mm-hmm. uh, with Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly, there's a big circle theme in this issue. Uh, and it probably runs through Watchmen also, although I never really noticed it as much. But uh, the, the very first thing that, um, what is her name? Mar- uh, Marionette. Marionette picks up is the bottle of nostalgia, mm-hmm. and, which is round. 
And then there's... Uh, the button is round. The button is round. Her makeup case is round. Her makeup pads are round. The, the grandfather clock is round. is round. The trip wire is round. This guy's... Uh, uh, the the fisheye shot is round. Yeah. Well, I mean, the there's clocks, a lot of round things in the world. The clocks are cyclical, and this is doomsday clock. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, we're ready, like, really ready for people to be talking about how down on Batman they are in this book. Does that feel deserved? It feels uh, like it's coming out of detective comics where okay. there's been like... Is that where it's okay? There's been like negative publicity he's getting for like working with villains like Clayface and trying to like supplant the police okay. force. I okay. think it's spinning out of that. Okay. I don't see it as much in Batman it up though. Somewhere. But this is supposed to be in the Rebirth universe, right? So it should be coming from somewhere, right? Right? Dude... Is well, that something that we saw? Was people talking shit on Batman? Well, yeah, there's all this stuff like, like, right here. In the street, Who bats the Batman? And all these people oh. with the anti-Batman shirts and yeah, uh, everything going on. Fascist. I do love that uh, Good Morning Bruce, he's got pancakes, and uh, Rorschach yeah. eats them, and the final panel of the book is it, You Ate My Breakfast. It can yeah, be confusing, though, with all the different Bat titles, because reading this, it made me think of Batman White Knight. I was like, wait, no, that's a different what, wait, no. what yeah. if reality. <laughs> this is supposed to be in Rebirth. Uh, I think my favorite little nod to the DC publishing empire in this was uh, Nathaniel Dusk. We're talking about a Nathaniel Dusk marathon on, on one of the TVs at Rorschach Seas. And that's yeah. just two four-issue stories that DC published in the 80s uh, with ve- very well-done 1930s detective stuff. second series was called, ba- uh, called Nathaniel Dusk, Apple Peddler's Diet Dawn. That's how hard-boiled that shit was. <laughs> I wasn't super oh, jacked on that first issue, so I wasn't really looking forward to reading this. I mostly just read it because I felt obligated to. Mm-hmm. But I did like this more because it kind of satisfied my curiosity a little bit and made me curious to find out more. I still really don't like how Osmanius is acting. Like I feel like he's pretty much just a linchpin to make this story happen rather than, like, the cool character that he was in Watchmen. Like, So do you view him more as, like, a bad guy or a good guy? I In the original Watchmen and now. I view him as kind of, uh, like, as a force of nature, of just, like, kind of the ultimate, like, self-made man who can, like, solve anything through his own sheer, like, force of will and, like, hard work. Because I and, do feel and now like he's, he acts different now. He does. And, yeah. like, you know, bef- I feel like in Watchmen, like, if shit had gone, like, crazy like it has now, like, he wouldn't just run off like, oh, where's Dr. Manhattan? He can fix this. Like, he would figure out his own solution. And, like, somewhere. Is he trying to fix it, do you think? Yeah, what is he, he going after he, Dr. He, Manhattan for? He wants him to save his world from nuclear war. Oh, right, because yeah. they just launched all those nukes. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he wants to get rid of his tumor. Probably Maybe. that too, but yeah, it's inter- it's an interesting I mean, question because do we do we actually think that like he does want to save the world and this is a part of that? Like, I guess I'm curious about other people's characterizations. He, I think of he does, unless he's like super jaded about his last world savior attempt, but which is definitely possible. But these are some, these are some <laughs> <laughs> in Rorschach's journal here. These are some nice points he makes about Batman. How how. Uh, only monsters would keep trophies like this. I Tokens and like prizes that. from victims. <laughs> um, I, I really like that. And, well, the first, so, and the first thing it's, I had to think about. Yeah, what co- is that costume in that I too? think that's Mr. Freeze's original costume from the mm, 50s. Or the nice. 60s or whenever Mr. Freeze first showed up. Which for some reason was yellow and red, which aren't cold colors. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give this uh, I'm gonna give this an eight and a half uh, pancakes over beans. Over beans. Oh, I like it. So you gave the other one like a nine and a half or a ten? Probably a ten. So so you like this one less? A little bit less. I I've I wanted to spend a little more time in the Watchmen world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I wanted we booked to, it out of there quick. Yeah, I wanted to check in with some of the other characters. I got a feeling we're going back. Maybe. Or they're all Maybe. just coming over here. Fucking Oh yeah. Jimmy Jimmy the Joker. Jimmy the the comedian. Shows up at the end. He's supposed to be dead. I bet we're going to get some Night Owl and some Ha, ha, laugh him up. Ha, laugh him up. Jimmy. Jimmy the Joker. He goes by Ha, ha, laugh him up. Jimmy Dean. Jimmy Williams? Dean the garlic sandwich you eat while you're wrestling. Timothy T. Tekken. <laughs> Timothy T. Tekken. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe Watchmen yeah. Earth and DC Main Earth have been combined now because of Ozzy going through that quantum jump. Maybe, sure. Maybe that would explain why the comedian is here. Comedian's dead. Yeah, it wouldn't explain. I mean, maybe there's time it's travel. It's just like Super Superboy Prime punching through the the time barrier. That's not fuck. That's not like anything. That brought Tim Drake back to life, or Jason Todd back to life. That brought back comedian. Dude, if they do that, oh, if they punch a hole through any <laughs> kind of fucking quantum, oh no, Jeff they, shit wall. Wrote Infinite Crisis. He's the one who did that. Oh, oh he is, isn't he? No, no. yeah. Man, this guy—he <laughs> can't stop bringing people back to life. It's a rule. They keep asking him to. It's Jango. a rule physically Send punching through the time Graceland. barrier. The Graceland? Graceland. Why does it always come back to Paul Simon with you? It's Elvis, <laughs> Jeffrey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's Paul Simon too, but he's not dead yet. Nope. Uh, but yeah, Bob, Bob Dylan is. No, he's not. No, he's this not. This is my night of just blankly staring at Django after he says things to try and make him uncomfortable with silence. Uh, All right. uh, yeah, eight, we... eight and a half, whatever I said. Eight and a half, I think, is what I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it moved a little bit too fast, I think there is a lot more to squeeze out of this. And I am absolutely going to look at a copy of The Killing Joke as soon as we're done here. Oh, you have read that? Cross-reference. Killing Joke? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a carnival in that one. I actually think it was the carnival in this. I give, oh, I give the first one a ten, I think. Didn't we all give it a 10? Oh, Not Braden. Yeah. Not Braden. Braden gave it a 10. <laughs> um, Braden gave it an Owen oh, West. Man. I did really like this one, though. I'll give this one a 9.5. You, you, you just didn't said you didn't like really it? like you it. You give it a 9.5? No, no I, I, I did like it. I like them both. But, yeah, I think I like the first one just a little bit more, maybe. Jeffrey? Mm-hmm. Um, I give it I give it um, an 8.5. Yeah. I, I, I really, really liked it. I really want to see what's going to happen with it. Um, I, I think it's absolutely perfect. Just a second, everybody. Yeah. <gasps> Who could it be? Hello? <laughs> Dave's not here, man. <laughs> hey, buddy. Justin. What's up? Hey, hey, buddy. buddy. Uh, it's perfect, perfectly acceptable <laughs> podcast. Comics Place, Bellingham, Washington. Premier comic book podcast. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hey, Justin, what'd you do today? Me? You didn't, you didn't get your hands on a copy of Doomsday Clock number two yet, did you? Not yet. Oh. Okay. Talk to you later. Okay. Talk to you <laughs> soon, buddy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye. oh god oh we miss that boy god i miss him god i miss him so much god i miss him all right thanos tanus tanus feeling t heinous all of a sudden t heinous come back justin um written by donny cates and jeff shaw on art 
Uh, who, who of us read this? I read it. Braden raised his hand for everyone who's <laughs> listening. I lowered my hand. Oh my gosh, this had such a cool, cool beginning. Um, oh, the way Kate's writes the cosmic stuff, except from the viewpoint of, of contextualizing it within a, in a within a family setting, within such a personal thing, it's just so, it's just so good. He talks about the day Thanos was born, and and your way. If, uh, let me go back to the beginning. Um, that the, an event happens, and it's the final outcome of that is preordained. Like he mentions, the dinosaurs went extinct the very same second the asteroid that ended them spun out of its orbit. So in this way of thinking uh, that, the that the universe as you know it ended the day Thanos was, Thanos, T. Hanus was born. Dude, I loved that. I loved that, <laughs> that was conversation. Cool. And, and, and like, yeah. it, all of this happens in the blink of an eye to like, you know, greater deities. Like I loved that concept. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, what is a measure of time when there's things that are larger that exist? I, yeah, I love the setup of talking about his birth and, like, where he's been since then. It, it was something that any other book could have laid out in a super dense expository fashion, just kind of like, and then this happened, and then he grew up and had a fight with Adam Warlock and stuff happened. But, like, this was just done in such a cool, like, poetic, kind of, like, literary fashion, just, like... I don't know the way the way he talked about the events happening in such like metaphorical terms made it really interesting to follow his history and see like yeah I mean he really told like he said a poetic story when he tells about Thanos's birth and his mother when she first saw him before before she lost her mind within minutes after first seeing him she uttered the name Thanos which was not the name she had planned to give him mm. it just popped in her head because he was staring into her eyes and she was losing her mind. <laughs> it's like when uh, and then he it's like her. Django's eyes started watering Tuesday morning as soon as Jeff ate that Jimmy Dean sausage <laughs> <laughs> and raw garlic the night before. <laughs> I tooted on Tuesday. You, you named it Thanos, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, like, nowadays, it's... it's I don't take Tanus super seriously. <laughs> Especially not with that head going on. No. That um, name. The moves. Um, no, but Tanus, like... Uh, it's been a long time since the Affinity Gauntlet happened. Yeah. yeah. And there have not been a lot of stories that really give you reason to be afraid of Tannis. And, um... Especially after Squirrel beat him. <laughs> yeah, well, she can't lose. Right. But th this... The whole premise of this is, is, you know, Thanos wins. And, I don't know, this is the perfect, like, shot of adrenaline into the franchise, I think, that this character needs. Because it's... Yeah, it, it really, it all sort of, like, in order to enjoy this, you have to assume that Tannis is this horrible, scary, gonna defeat the whole end of reality. And, yeah, it's, it makes it makes you scare him, and I think he's otherwise not that scary anymore. I think he's been mm -hmm. humanized to the point where he's no longer scary for me. I mean, certainly Lemire's run, which I haven't read a lot of, but it sounds like it really humanized him I'm, quite I'm, a bit yeah i'm with you a lot and like simone bianchi did a like a tanis tanos taney rising <laughs> uh like five years ago oh, yeah and uh oh, gorgeous yeah. but like good. also really humanized him basically and, since like he showed up at the end of the first avengers like they've been all these little mini series have popped up it's to got, make him so you can punch him yeah but they he, i think he got wolverine i think they gave us too much which it's like the fear of the tom king batman mm -hmm. it's like they gave us too much and now sometimes 
sometimes you need to not have it to like it. But do you think that they they've been humanizing him so that he's not just a stupid all-powerful being so that when they're fighting him there's like they don't have to rely on some sort of magic to to beat him? Maybe. I think I fall into a problem and I know Justin would put his arm around me Justin. right now. And 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 oh, Justin. I, I I sort of assume I I kind of put it on the creator and for me I'm just I I think that it's hard to take him in new directions without humanizing it. So I think that people yeah. are always, when they get a property like this, are sort of like, well, I want to tell a story that hasn't been told. Mm-hmm. And so you look at a character like Wolverine or Tannis, and sort of the, the nature of him is that he hasn't been humanized because he's this huge, scary force. Um, and His fists are so big. His fists are so big. <laughs> his fists are the size of his skull, Django. Well, who else is going to wear so that big. giant glove? Exactly. Those gloves. It was made for him. That's the kind of sound edit you can't put into a podcast. It's beautiful. No, no that's uh, they're they're singing the Juggalo Siren song yeah. right there. <laughs> Juggalo Siren song. Um, yeah. Anyway, I so this does a great job of giving me Tannis characterization and also making him really scary. Like it doesn't turn mm-hmm. him into a human that I identify with and therefore remove the the grandiosity of he Tannis. Yeah, and they built that up really well in these telling kind of. Thanos' future and how he beats everybody and and in an, in a logical sequence and he goes through some guy and then Thor and then the Guardians and I, and I liked how they they show it's the future because like Drax is you know mm. he's gotten older he's kind of got a little bit of a belly going on there yeah. and he takes out the Imperial Guard and the Maestro he's kind of working his way up to like the Celestials yeah and then eventually. he fights the Celestials and I love the and big spoiler I love the way he beats the Celestials because he uses Black Bolt he's got Black Bolt and chains and then Violently kills Black Bolt, which makes Black Bolt yell and wipe out the Celestials. <laughs> and like a good chunk of the planet looks like. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I didn't like about mm. this thing is that it says, so as the Earth's... Uh, death never came for Thanos, so as the Earth's heroes and champions wilted old and weak around him, he only grew stronger, but it's like... And so you see all like the X-Men, all they're all old and stuff, and it's like, there's so many superhero kids running around. Like People are... Getting groomed to like, mm. they're they're not running out of superheroes like that 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 part kind of yeah took me out of it a bit but like that's true it doesn't show him dealing with any of the next generation it's all the older characters yeah and I haven't I didn't see Squirrel Girl anywhere in there so I yeah. think we still <laughs> got I, who sh- that I think we still got a shot so like how cool though because the end reveal of this is old old Thanos from the future. Talking to young Tannis. Old man Thanos. Old man Tannis. And and he says, like, I need your help finding somebody. And he's like, who? And he's like, who else? And it's death. They have Mm -hmm. to go find death. And that makes so much sense because Thanos wins. Like, Thanos is invincible. He's in, like, you can't defeat him. Therefore, death will never come for him. Just like you were saying. Like, Mm -hmm. he's defeating everything. So he can't die. He won't die. Death will not come for him. So this, like, I love this battle of of like concepts like to be invincible is to not be able to die but he's in love with death so he wants to die even though he doesn't want to die and the nature of becoming so so powerful means that you're not going to die but again he's infatuated with death so like mm-hmm. it's i love i love um creating a character out of death and then also having the concept of death be within it and i think that creates a really interesting conversation that i didn't even immediately pick up as i was reading this so yeah um, i give this an 8 i actually really I really liked it. It was one of my favorite books this week, and I, I like that it kind of surprised me as being that. I think my favorite part was when 
Thanos beats up old man Thanos and then starts going after Ghost Cosmic Ghost Rider and Cosmic Ghost Rider is all like, listen, buddy, I'm already dead, so there's no point in dragging this out. And Thanos just like, oh, yeah, let's see. Let's mm-hmm. let's do this anyway. I like, he's like, I would like to test your theory. Yeah, he. it was the most, like, doesn't give a fuck moment of the book. So, and I, it, it really got me like, oh, boy, this Thanos guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thanos, Thanos. Did you guys read this in Jish Brolin's voice? Mm. No. I don't know what Jish Brolin <laughs> sounds like. I think Jish Brolin's is such a good actor that Jish Brolin sort of embodies the character he is mm, you just know? turns into a thing so i don't know what a definitive just brolin sounds like mm-hmm. okay what did you yeah, give it i don't either no i give it an eight i it was just on the cusp of being a fantastic book like i i think like you know eight and a half to ten is like really stellar yeah and, and this was this was pretty much there almost there i'm gonna go with an eight as well i'm gonna See your, ocho. I'm gonna see your eight and give you an ocho. I brought a candy bar for us, <gasps> and it tasted better in my mind than the the candy bar. I almost got that gave me the idea to bring us a candy bar, which is called an ocho, because <laughs> <laughs> it only has eight ingredients. But then I looked at this one next to it, and I thought it would taste. Is better. one of the ingredients catnip? That beer was pretty good with catnip. Blueberry. Shit, it's a blueberry catnip chocolate bar. <laughs> and a red balloon. <laughs> I had some blueberry cheese the other day. It I forgot really good. to bust this out earlier. Oh, it's a, well, we didn't ocho it up until just now. Yeah, you're yeah right. and so we still have on a shit ton of donuts left to eat, yeah, too. Yeah, we do. Yeah, you How? know, I, God, I already had two donuts on top Jay of that. snap to it, Braden. Two boxes of donuts. I know, I didn't expect that, because I already ate, like, a little to-go container of Sicilian well, pasta. I, I shamed him so hard two donuts. for... Uh, the thought of only getting maple glaze. Did you go with him to get those dodos? No, I just I just stirred him down real hard. So you gave. It I told him I would cry if he didn't get chocolate. Donuts. And Roman gave it. I'll give it an eight. Theo Joe gave it a perfect ten. I'll give it an eight. Oh, I like I like hanging out with you guys. <laughs> Look, that's good. Is anything tomorrow? Can I hang out tomorrow? Anything less? He sits uh, in Galactus's skull. Oh, that was that a that good part, part too. In, when he's fighting the Celestials, it's Galactus's head is laying there, but it's not. Oh yeah, it's not to attached body. to his. Nope. That was funny, I, and I was also wondering, where is that page? Is that Baby Darkseid on that page? Where? This is a Marvel book. Which oh, page? Sorry. Oh. I get Darkseid and Thanos confused. Some of these people, I don't know. I mean, that's Uatu the Watcher and Living Tribunal. I don't know who that is. Don't know who she is. That's Ice. Um, Speaking of, that is. of confusing names. She looks familiar, but I can't think of her name. The, they reveal his what his mom was going to name him. Yeah. And that's, that's another name that <laughs> cool. could be pronounced any number of ways. It's D-I-O-N-E. Dione? I thought it was Dione. Oh, Dione. It could just be Dione. Because that would fit Thanos because it's vaguely great. Dione. We have a customer whose last name is Dion, so I went Dion. Dion. Yeah, me too, because it has an E on the end. Dione. Dione. And it's, I was thinking, it's, yeah, I was thinking along those lines because Dionysus. And we'll never know how to pronounce it until we talk to. Uh, Can I tell you Donna guys something? Cates. Maybe they're going to name Cates Diane. To call in. Um, I, I just okay. I texted Jenga or Justin and said, "Hey, buddy, we love you. Thanks for picking up." He says, "No problem, guys. Love and miss you all. Thanks for thinking of me." Oh, smiley face. Can't stop thinking. Jeff's about crying. Him. Did you guys uh, think we woke him up? Yeah, he sounded like he was sleeping, but it's... He, was, yeah. he sounded like a bit of a grockmeister. It's 9.18. He it's goes to time, bed at like 9. It's time for the podcast. Isn't he, like, <laughs> he, sitting there thinking about what he would talk about on the podcast right now? God, I can't even think about that, Braden, because <laughs> it makes me want him so bad. Um, <laughs> it makes me want him so bad. <laughs> I, had a, I had a... Somebody hug Jeff, I quick. Had a, I had a thought, I had a tangent, and now I don't remember where I was going. A candy bar? You guys, next week... X-Men Grand Design number oh, two comes out. That's fast. Number two already? Two weeks away. Also, grief. 
This is the last podcast of the year. <gasps> oh my god. Holy crap. So next week we're doing a special end of the year podcast. We have to do a special end of the this, year podcast. We gotta oh wait, talk about that would our be, favorite stuff. This podcast this is. is coming out on the first. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of, of, you know, twenty seventeen best ofs that come out in January. What time is it? It's nine eighteen. We call Justin. <laughs> <laughs> still the same minute. We looked at his text. What are you guys doing for the next hour and a half? Oh, getting, <laughs> getting some yeah, real nothing. food to eat. Yeah. Man, by the end of this podcast, it just turns into snot and fart jokes. No, well, no. and some famous stuff. We were making stuff. complex references to childhood franchises Dude. we loved. You're a fart boy. I, I, I could not hold that joke in. <laughs> just like those farts. Just like those farts. Uh, I'm Jeff, and I feel uh, rectally as dry as a whistle right. Now, not, uh, no gas coming out of me. I'm Django, and uh, I don't touch my butt while I do it. Do what? <laughs> do what? What? That's so obscene. I don't. I have no idea what that's about. I, just, I, I'm Roman. Um, and I, I, I just don't. I, I just don't. I no, I don't fart. I don't fart. It's medically. You? Who does? You had the it's, most it's, horrible it's, fart it's, before this podcast. It's medically impossible for me to fart. Oh no! <laughs> True story. Brayden. I don't, I'm Brayden. I don't, I don't touch my butt ever. It's, yeah, that's gross. I definitely don't touch my butt during <laughs> during anything. Oh.